Man, it's just, it's just so good to be here. I've, um, as I was just sitting there, just like in, this, in these moments of worship and just listening to your voices and listening to the words and reading the words, just kind of taking all this in, um, it's just a blessing to be here. Um, first of all, this church is like these rooms and like that cool coffee room and like the welcome little area. This is just an awesome church. Like your space is amazing. Like, isn't it? It's, and it's not necessarily that... Um, like this, this space is not what defines what where the Holy Spirit is or where God does his work, but I tell you, he can do a lot better work or he can do more work with great space. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so this, you guys are just so blessed, and this is such a cool place, and I just want to say thank you for um, having me and letting me be here with you. Um, it's, it's on Sundays, and I get really excited. Um, it's on Sundays that I wake up, and I'm really, I'm just thrilled to to wake up and to go to church because I get to spend time with my church family. Um, I get, I'm, my name is Matt, and I'm on staff at Harper Hills Church. And we kind of have some instruments, and so we, we're kind of dabbling a little bit with that right now um, in some of our worship services. So um, it's been such a blessing to our church. And, um, and so anyways, I, Sundays are important for me. Um, it's my church family. It's the time that I just I wake up excited because I get to see my family. I get to see my church friends. I get to see those people who pour into me, and I get to pour into people as well. And it's the greatest part of my week. And, and like I said, like in, I'm reminded of in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes and defines this really unlikely place. Like this Holy Spirit comes and brings meaning to a place that has none. It comes to a guy who has no meaning whatsoever in Peter, and, and the Holy Spirit pours in like a wind to this place that has no reason for the Spirit to be there. And it, and it, and it just does, and it makes this unlikely place meaningful. Um, I'm reminded in Acts, or excuse me, in Hebrews chapter 10, I think it's verse 24, when it says the, um, that we're ought to spur one another on to good deeds. And so I'm reminded that when we gather in this place, when we gather for worship on Sundays, that we're called to, to encounter the Holy Spirit. We're called to spur one another on and encourage each other. And we're just encouraged to uplift each other and love on each other. Um, and so gathering for worship um, is an important thing. And I, and I wake up on Sundays, if I'm not at Harper Hills, like right now I'm feeling this way. I'm like, man, I'm kind of anxious. Like I, I miss my family. You know, I'm so grateful to be with you. And this, this is an awesome morning for me. But I, I miss my church family because it's important. And it's, what, and it's what drives me on to be a disciple. It's what encourages me to dig, plant deeper roots in my life. It's what encourages me to flourish. And so that's what happens on Sundays. Um, Sundays aren't just this gathering of normal people. Like there's something, something's going on in this moment and something's happening today um, in this moment too. And so what I've described to you kind of is this um, importance of assembly, this importance of, of what it is that God's doing in this moment because he's doing something. We don't just gather together for no reason. Why would we gather if, if all we were here to do was to say, hey, like what we gather is because this is the moment where the Holy Spirit is, is filling this room. It's a moment where we as believers and we as those who don't believe have a moment, have a chance to re-energize, have a chance to re-encounter the Holy Spirit and to be driven into the rest of our weeks. And so we're encouraged. And so gathering as a church, gathering as Aspen Grove Christian Church on May 1st is important. There's such importance to this moment. Do you guys see what I'm saying there? There's, such, there's something about this moment that is so important. And it's because of the Holy Spirit. So now that you see how important 
um, this assembly is. Um, this, we're, we're in Luke chapter 8 today. Um, and if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. But we're in Luke chapter 8 today. And what, I'm, what I've described to you is the importance of assembly. But I think what's happening in the parable of the sower is that Luke is telling, or Jesus is telling us through this parable, the importance and the weight um, and the warning that it is for the hearer. Um, so what's happening in this, this text, in this parable, is that Jesus is telling us the importance of what it means when you hear about the word. When someone tells you about the Holy Spirit, someone tells you about what God's doing in your life, and someone is giving you a sermon when you're just driving in your car, listening to worship music, or when you're listening to a podcast, or when you're reading the scriptures at home, like this is the importance and the weight to those moments. And so I want to describe to you what the assembly is, because I want to now describe to you what it means for you, what it means for me, um, what, what happens when we hear, what happens when we in, are, are um, charged to go out and we interpret what we've heard. So this is why it's important. And um, when I looked this up, when I looked this story up on YouTube, I typed in parable to sower just to kind of, you know, I'd like to just get visuals and just kind of see what it's like. And, and as I see um, this, it's like one of those cool dramatizations of, um, this parable, and, this, and Jesus is in a boat. It looks like they're in probably like the Bahamas or like some Caribbean island, and Jesus is in a boat with his disciples, and then there's this big crowd up on this like rocky shore, and they're all gathered there, and it's just so peaceful, and it's so sunny, and these people look pretty nice and put together, like they've got their robes on, but they're clean. It looks like somebody just steamed them or just ironed them, and Jesus is out there, and he's, he's hair sprayed up, you know, and He's combed out, and he looks great. And, and I'm looking at these people on the, sitting on the shore, and some of them are Pharisees, and so they look kind of uneasy. They're kind of like, but then everybody else is just kind of listening. And I'm like, if I was hearing this portion of this story, like this is a moment when Jesus, Jesus is calling out something more from these people. And he's, and he's, looking, at them, he's looking at them, and he's saying that there's four scenarios that we're going to look at today, and there's, there's four ways for you as the hearer to connect to this story today. And there's four scenarios, and these people, and I'm thinking, if Jesus is boldly talking to me like this, I'm not going to be like looking all pretty and looking all like put together. It's like if Jesus is stand, sitting right there in the water, and he's looking at me, and he's telling me that, that your life is not flourishing, your life, you're throwing, some, you're throwing seeds along rocky paths, and you're not planting deep roots in your life at all, and you've heard this moment, for, you've heard about joy for one moment, and then you've let it fade. If Jesus is looking at me and telling me that, I'm going to be uneasy. And I'm going to be uneasy. Um, but I think if we're going to figure out what it means in our lives to truly grow, truly plant seeds that are allowed to flourish, it's going to be challenging and it's going to be uneasy. And we're going to look at and we're going to take moments to reflect on our lives and we're going to realize that something's messed up or we're going to realize that something's working and let's, let's water it more. Or we're going to, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like we're going to, living a life that's flourishing takes a lot of look at your, you have to look at yourself. You have to look deep into your heart. It has nothing to do with other people. It has nothing to do with what other people are doing. Um, but again, as we gather in this moment of assembly, um, something important is happening. And so let's look at the text this morning. We begin in verse 4 of Luke 8. Awesome. Um, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town, to, town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. 
Still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, I want to tell you that that, that phrase there, when it says, he, um, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. I don't think he's talking about the physical ear here. I don't think he's just talking about the person who's sitting there listening. Like, I think he's talking something much, much more than whoever has ears to hear. Like, this is like whoever's life is ready to be overcome by Jesus, whoever is willing to let me take over your life, whoever is life's as broken as I, however broken your life is, these are kind of the questions and these are kind of the statements he's making through this. He's not just saying, if you can hear what I'm saying, because like I said, on the rocky shore, when these people, there's waves crashing, you know, there's no way that every person in that place could hear exactly what he's saying. So there's no way that he is saying just that this phrase is meant only for those who can hear with a physical ear. It's meant for something much more than that. It's meant for something much more than that. All right, verse 9. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. Um, and again, I'm going to kind of go through this text, and we'll just talk about most of these verses, kind of like one by one, but... Um, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. And, and what, what kind of shocked me about this text is even his, this, this verse is that even his disciples needed some understanding. Like his closest friends still needed to understand. They were like, whoa, like, Jesus, you're, you're saying this in my life, but man, I don't even really understand it. And these are like the people who are see him face to face, who are with him all the time. Um, they're with him in the flesh. I mean, they're always around him. His closest friends didn't even understand his teaching. And so, and as I, this verse kind of hit me this week is, as I'm thinking that, that sanctification or growing deeper um, in holiness and understanding of God sometimes takes years. Um, it's never a quick process. Um, it's rarely instantaneous. And so I want to I remind you um, that if you have not come to, to figure out how to plant deep roots within your life, that it's rarely a quick process. And that me at 23 years old, and, and I'm a graduate student in seminary, and, I, and I'm just as lost as I've ever been. <laughs> I'm more lost than I feel like I've ever been. Because all what I've thought and all what I've learned has just been changed and shaped, and I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly being shaped. And I hope that no matter what age you are, you can say that you have not learned what you think like, encompassed everything you need to learn. I hope that every single day I'm continuing to grow and I'm continuing to grow deeper in understanding and knowledge of God and this sanctification. I hope that that's what's happening in your life too. And I want to remind you and I want to just encourage you that being confused and being um, not knowing the truths about God or not knowing kind of these, these basic things about God is okay. And being lost and being confused and being broken is normal. Um, that's just how life is. Being broken and lost and confused is normal. So why can't we just live in the norm? Why can't we live in the normalcy of that? Let's live in our brokenness. Let's live in um, this learning process. Let's just live into it and let that be how we flourish. Let's flourish from the brokenness of our lives. Man, I didn't even put that in my notes. And that's, that's the truth I needed here today. Like I need to flourish in the brokenness of my life. That's where you grow. That's where we find life is in these, these broken moments. Man, it's good. All right, verse 10. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. So remember, as I talked about how important it is that when we gather together, 
Um, th- this verse 10 reminds us that the interpreting and hearing the word of God is heard and differently by everybody. And so um, that's why worship and preaching and gathering together is so important. Because every single thing that we do as a church, everything, every single thing we do as, as, um, in this moment of assembly is heard differently by everybody. Every single person in this room hears something different. Hears, interprets the word of God differently. And so some person's going to hear one thing about my sermon. Some person's going to hear something totally different. Some person's going to hear nothing and wish that Adam was up here instead. Some people are going to wish, are going to hear something from worship. Some people are going to go take communion in a moment and just be overcome by the realness of the sacrifice of Jesus. And so again, we all hear and interpret the scripture so differently. And back in the early part of this chapter, it says a farmer went out to sow his seed, or back on the beginning of the parable. Or a preacher, or a worship leader, or a pastor is going to make disciples. And here Jesus reminds us, like I said, of the brokenness and how people just sometimes won't hear or will turn away. That's just the truth. In this moment, although it is real and although God is doing something, the reality is that people in this room, people in our lives that we are discipling or trying to pour the the truth about Jesus into, they just won't hear. They just won't. That's the truth. It's just going to happen. There, is, there are people that you can pour into all day and you can be extremely intentional with them and you can pray about them and you can just pour over them. I, have, I know three people immediately off the top of my head where I'm trying this and it literally feels like nothing is working. But I'm called to do it and so I'm going to keep doing it. But the truth is, that's, that's something that I don't control. God's going to take care of that and God's going to speak truth into their life and God is going to lift them up and God is going to shelter, God is going to take care of them and God's going to welcome them back with open arms and that's what I'm going to do too. But the truth is it may never work. So that's what I think it's saying here. So as we keep, as we keep looking through this story, this is kind of like the, the note-taking part or like if you want to make quick notes like in your Bible, on the side of your Bible or something, but there are four scenarios that I want us to look through this morning and, and this is the part where I said that this is where everybody may have a chance to connect with this text. Um, there are four different scenarios that, that I, think, um, I think can help us understand what it means in our lives personally, as a church, as a city, as a world that, that may help us understand how we can flourish and what it looks like in our lives to, to figure out how to flourish. Um, so let's start in verse 11. And this is kind of the interpretation of the, of the parable. So this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Um, so this is, this, I, I call this one the stiff arm scenario. Um, I call this one the the yeah, right, or um, whatever, no thanks. Like this is like the, have you, have you been there before? Like have you walked into like a church or walked into like a worship service or done something where you walk in and you're like, Pfft. you're like, yeah, there's no, nothing's gonna happen. Like I'm not gonna feel that today. Like no, like I'm good, I'm good. I'm good. This happened to me um, in a very cheesy way. I was, um, I'm sure most of you have seen or heard of the Christian movies. You know, I'm not talking about Christian chicken like Chick-fil-A or, Something I'm talking about the Christian movie. So this is like um, facing the giants or fireproof war room. You know, you guys know those movies, right? Kind of cheesy, but great messages, and they're getting better. <laughs> um, and so, anyways, I'm at um, I'm in my, at, in my freshman year of college, and I come home from college, and I'm 
I'm sitting at my parents' house, and somehow the movie Courageous makes its way into the DVD player. Um, and I'll tell you, like, I, I sat there and watched this movie, and I was like, yeah, right. I was like, I was doing the stiff arm strategy. I was like, yeah, right. I was like, this is a cheesy Christian movie. I'm not, I'm not doing this. And so I'm watching the movie. I'm like, kind of like laughing at some of it and like all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm at my parents' house after I watched this movie, and I'm just weeping. <laughs> I'm just weeping because this is what I was called for. I kept saying whatever, whatever, and eventually God broke my heart. And so that, that's kind of what it's like here in this text. That's what it's like to, to stiff arm something and then God to break your heart. Uh, my friends were hating on this movie. Um, they were like, they're like, yeah, right, that's another cheesy Christian movie. And, um, and maybe even the message of it, they're making fun of it some. And, and I was just going, man, they don't get it. I was like, they just don't get it. And, and I was thinking that, um, that, that you can't let men trample on the seeds that God is trying to plant in your heart. You can't let men trample on the seeds that God is trying to plant in your heart. You just can't. Because there's people who are going to try and there's people who are going to. And you cannot let um, the, the status and the feeling and the, and, the, and the way that your heart is you can't let that be affected by men or women. You just can't. So verse 13, this is scenario two. Those on the rocky road, <laughs> rocky road, that's ice cream, isn't it? I'm, I'm singing ice cream, it's lunchtime. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. You see, this is the kind of faith that is, that is superficial, um, this is the kind of people that have been conformed to a moral pattern but have not been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the kind of faith that is, that is not rooted and has no opportunity whatsoever to flourish. Um, this is like the faith that James calls dead and, or useless in James chapter 2. Uh, I'm from Chattanooga, and in Chattanooga there's, there's this gas station called Smile Gas Station. It's a really creepy name for a gas station, I think. But Smile Gas Station, and they planted like six palm trees. This is like two or three years ago. Six palm trees out front. And I remember driving by and being like, palm trees in Chattanooga? I was like, that is not going to work. Like, there's no way that works. And it, sure enough, two and a half months later, palm trees are gone. Like, they are gone. Like, it's not like they were dying. Gone. Like, you have no idea now. It's just grass. And so, it's a, I think that's the image here of what it's like when we have this faith that is planted in the wrong types of soil, it's superficial. And I, make, I, I hope I don't get in any kind of trouble or any kind of uh, anything for saying this, these words here, but I'm much more scared of God. Um, but this is legalistic. And are you legalistic? Um, a legalistic faith leads to hearing of the word over and over and over again and doing absolutely nothing with it. Is that where you are? I mean, come on, like, is, is that where you are? Like, think about it. This is big, this is a big deal. Like, this is the weight and the warning here that, that, that Luke's taught, that Jesus is talking about. This is the part that's important. Is what kind of soil are you? Um, a life that um, is deeply flourishing takes words and moments and plants them deeply. A couple um, seasons ago, I was watching The Bachelor. Um, I don't watch it often. I think this is one of the few times I watched that TV show. If you don't know what it is, it's this really 
romantic show where a person tries to find their mate out of like 30 girls or guys or whatever. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and um, in this moment when one of the guys is proposing to the girl, he gets on his knee and then he, he gets, she says yes and he gets up and what he says to her kind of, it was the most authentic and real thing I'd heard, ever heard on that show. And what he says is, he says, what I feel for you is greater than a moment. He said, what I feel for you is greater than a moment. And I'm like, pause. And I'm like, I'm like, that's it. Like, that's kind of what's happening here. Um, but like in this, in this verse 13, it does read that receive the words with joy. So please don't hear me saying that the moment you first experienced Jesus wasn't real. But when you don't do anything with that moment, you're wasting it. You're wasting it. That's the warning I'm trying to give you this morning. Is that when you hear the word of God and you do nothing with it and you don't plant it deeply within your life, you're like a palm tree in Chattanooga. It just won't work. It just won't. And you have to get, we have to get in the place of our lives when we get past the point of feeling something for just a moment. Or taking all this in as this cool worship experience or, or something like that. We have to take it past that. We have to plan it within our lives. I got this picture. Uh, this is a, a thing a, bud, a buddy of mine keeps. If you can go and throw that up, it's a. Um, does anybody know what this is? Round to it. <laughs> I'll get around to it. He keeps it in his pocket because he's convicted that, he want, that he's going to get around to it. Like, I've gotten around to it. And so what about your life? Have you, have you held back or have you not gotten around to? You know, what is that thing that God has pressed in your heart that you have yet to plant in the deep, deep roots of your life? What do you need to get around to this morning? Again, God is really doing something in this moment, isn't he? This is it. This is the realness of it. That when you hear it, you take it and you plant it. It's not just to be experienced with joy, but it's to be taken and planted into the roots of your life. All right, scenario three. Verse 14. I'll just read it from here, old-fashioned way. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. See, this is a scenario like all of us when we walk into the way of the Lord. And something just slightly better comes along. But Matt, I received so much pleasure and happiness for my money. Matt, like, you would not believe the, the pool I just put in my backyard. And that thing is fun. But this is just so fun, I don't want to give it up. Uh, God, I just received pleasure from this, Matt. I don't want to give it up. Why do you think that God isn't the God of these things? Like, God is the God of pleasure, he made it. If God created these things, don't you think he rules over them? I see so often that people trade intimacy with Jesus for the dumbest things. I see so often that people trade intimacy with Jesus and being rooted and established in life and on mission with Jesus Christ for really dumb things. So what kind of soil are you? These thorns will choke you out. A garden that is full of thorns and weeds cannot produce a good fruit. As Adam reminded you guys last week that some of us need to prune back these branches. Some of us need to just cut them off. You know, there's, there's a lot of ways for us to get help. There's a lot of ways nowadays for you to receive training or to receive counseling or for you to have a conversation with your pastor or with somebody. 
that can help figure out how to get these roots or get these thorns and these weeds out of your life. Let's cut them off. Let's just cut them off. If an iPad is something that makes that that is a struggle for you, that creates a sin in your life, sell it. Everybody on Craigslist buy an iPad right now. If there's a car or if there's a if there's something that you have that is keeping you from knowing the fullness of life with Christ, sell it. Like if you're thinking, if you, if you, if, is, is that resonating? The thorns, they're things that take over our lives. And we can't continue to trade intimacy with Jesus for things that don't make sense, for things that don't produce a fruit. All right, so here's scenario four, verse 15. <clears throat> but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and retain it and by preserving produce a crop. So this is the situation here where you listen to a sermon absorbed in this moment of worship or you're, or you're listening in a car to a sermon and you go, man, I've got to get my heart right. Man, I've really got to get my heart right. In other translations it reads, honest heart. It's this moment of honest reflection and understanding that I just don't have my stuff together. Uh, God loves you the way that you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. Don't you see that? This is this honest moment of reflecting on what my life looks like. I do this a lot after church, when my, my iPod cord won't work most days now. And it's like, all right, God, I guess I'll be quiet. You know, and it's just like, I'm just in this moment of honest reflection with my life. And for some of you, there's so much noise there's so much going on. You're so busy that, that you never have a chance to even do this. But if we're going to produce a crop a hundredfold, this is what we're called to do, to reflect on an honest heart. For some of my classes at Lipscomb, I was able to um, participate in um, some AA meetings. Um, some, and it, it, it was this, this real moment. Um, as I sat around this room in this AA meeting, and there's such brokenness in this place. People kept saying things like, my name is Matt and I'm powerless to alcohol. And, and I'm not an alcoholic. But in that room, everything that I had experienced and everything that I've placed before Christ really just came, really just started welling up inside of me. And I'm like, man, this is, this is what honest reflection looks like to know that you're powerless to something. Um, even if you're powerless over something, doesn't mean you're unworthy. Doesn't mean you're not worthy of the love that Christ and that God has for you. One of my professors, his name's uh, Dr. Chris Miller, and he's done some amazing work on Flourish. He actually owns a company called Flourish. I encourage you to look it up. They do amazing work. And as I'm looking um, in this work that Dr. Miller's done, he... he he poses before us this Greek word, eudaimonia. Um, it's the Greek word for happiness or flourishing. And you, um, the first two letters, means good or well-being. And daimon is translated to spirit. So a happy spirit. But as I, as I looked at this word, the thing about flourishing in this, in this Greek word for eudaimonia is that followers of Jesus, we don't pursue this thing. We don't pursue a life that flourishes. We pursue the imitatio Christi, the image of Christ. We want to be and look and feel more like Jesus does. And eudaimonia is a byproduct. Happiness and pleasure and joy are all 
byproducts of being and living more like Jesus? Do you see that? Do you see that if we, um, if we pursue life with Jesus, if we pursue the image of Christ, if we fix our eyes on becoming more and more like him, therefore, we flourish. Therefore, we plant deeper and deeper roots in our lives and we produce a crop a hundredfold. I love this passage from Psalm 1, 1 through 3. I don't think it's on the screen, but blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners. Take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Man, so... So based off the time that Jesus spends talking about these, these, these scenarios, um, I think it's so important for us this morning to look at our lives. I think it's so important this morning for you to figure out which one of these scenarios do you match up with. And the coolest part about this assembly, in my opinion, the coolest part about church, the coolest part about going to Harpeth Hills Church in Brentwood for me is that I get to come as I am. You know, you may sing songs that use the word phrase, come as you are. We sing one called come as you are. It says, come as you are, lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. And the coolest part about honest reflection for me in my life is that I get to, I get to show up with my church family. I get to show up with people that I love and just be me and just be myself and not hide anything. And if I'm going to live a life that flourishes, if I'm going to grow um, and plant, continue to plant roots deeper and deeper into life with Jesus. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take each and every one of you just coming as you are. It's going to take each and every one of you just putting aside your differences. It's going to take each and every one of you kind of unifying together as a church family and just figuring out um, what it means to, to welcome the lost people, to welcome disciples, to welcome the lost. That's what it's like to flourish as a church. That's what it's like to flourish as a family, is to be yourself, to come as you are, to not hide anything. Um, we talk at our church a lot about how uh, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people to life. So that's what he's called you to this morning as well. That's what he's called you to in this life, in this adventure as a church, is to figure out what it means to tell people who walk through that door that regardless of who they are, regardless of what they done, they've done, that Jesus doesn't just pardon their sins. He doesn't just, like, if there's a whiteboard here that has your sin on it, he doesn't just take an eraser and kind of wash it away. No, but he, he propels you into new life. Because with Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That when you are bought with, by Jesus' blood, that you are transformed and you grow and you join in with the transforming work of Christ. So does it, do any of these scenarios connect with you this morning? That's kind of the question I leave with you. And, and I hope that as in these moments of assembly and what Adam teaches each week and, and, and as I teach, you go and you continue to reflect. That you go with an honest heart. That you go and you look at the stuff of your life um, and you say, like, what does this mean for me? Even, even Jesus' disciples said it, remember? They're like, what does this marable mean? So what does this even mean? I encourage you to go and study and go and learn. 
But for those of you who allow the word of God to permeate your heart, you'll grow and flourish 100-fold. 100-fold. What if every one of you flourished 100-fold? That's a lot of growth. That's a lot of growth. Let's pray together. Father God, in moments of, um, of communion, in moments of gathering together as a church, we're reminded of the realness of life with you. We're reminded that um, it's, just, it's just not us showing up on Sundays and, and receiving this, hearing this beautiful music and listening to a really good preacher or um, enjoying this beautiful space. But God, there's something much, much more about this. You've, you're doing something in this moment. So as we, as we look at these four scenarios, God, I ask that you grant us the ability to, to for an honest heart, an honest heart that looks at each of these scenarios and says, you know, I'm that way. God, I'm, I'm putting, you, I'm putting a, an arm length distance between you right now. And God, I just pray that you would shorten it. Or God, I'm just, I've got these thorns and these weeds in my life. And God, would you, would you prune them back? Would you cut them off? God, there's just so much that, that's going on in this moment. And I pray that we would live into that reality. And that as a church and that as a community of faith that, that we don't just simply come as, as people wearing a mask, but we come as we are. And we lay all, the things that are, all of our things down at your feet. And so grant us the ability this morning to know what it means to be transformed into, into life with you as a new creation. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And a, a few years ago, I, um, I heard this that there, there's a survey or a study done. And in that study, um, they, they, they figured out what, I think it was 2012, they figured out what the three most used phrases were um, in the world. Or like, I guess it may have been just America, but they did, they figured out what these three most used phrases were. And the three mo- most used phrases were, supper's ready, come home, and I love you. I know a meal that says all three. You know, that as we participate in communion, Christ invites us to come home. The meal's ready, and Jesus loves us. And whoever you are, whatever you've done, um, whatever kind of soul you have, whatever kind of thorns are pruning, are, are destroying your life, Jesus can fix it. Jesus can help you mend that back. He wants you as you are. He wants you to come broken, so that your weakness can be made full by His strength. And so that's why we take communion. There's communion all around the rooms, and um, I just invite you to think. I invite you to have an honest heart reflection moment this morning. And if you're like, if you're thinking to yourself, "Man, that guest preacher really just threw a that was a you know a lot that you threw on me this morning," maybe I did my job. Maybe I did what I was supposed to do. So I pray, I pray for you as a church, and I look forward to serve our city next year. And we get to participate with you guys and eat those church, our sister church. And I just, I just, man, I'm thankful for you. Let's take communion together.